We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Um, that sucks, Sam. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, timeline faithful, the ones who will listen to this episode, because uh, for the group therapy, or I guess whatever this is going to become, because that was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah, it was definitely brutal. I, you know, it was like it was crazy because the first half of that game, of course, we had the Devin Booker masterclass, essentially one of the best halves of his career, if not the best half of his career, also included the dapping up of the baby, which is one of the most wholesome things I've ever seen on a NBA court. And then, uh, and then the second half came, and it, it was clear that even during the first half, as it was happening, you could kind of feel that Devin Booker was keeping them alive in a way uh, that maybe wasn't overly sustainable. So you can sort of see the writing on the wall a little bit, but they really kind of fell apart in particular in the fourth quarter, which is a very rare sighting for the Suns without Devin Booker. I do think that him coming out of the locker room, you know, going into the locker room, coming back out, the body language, Hmm. understanding what the issues were going to be without him on the floor, I think that affected the focus of the rest of the players on the court. And I think you could just feel that. It's obviously something they can overcome as far as whether he plays or not in the next game. But... I do think that their focus was dramatically impacted by that. I hate how I can't even enjoy the the fist bumping the baby clip now because <laughs> yeah. it's just uh, that was so cool. That clip was so cool. I mean, you got like how many people watched that tonight? You posted it on Twitter. Did two million people watch that already? I have or no something idea. Like that? And it's just uh, like let me see. Who, one point four million views right now. Yeah, and who cares? You know? Yeah, because now this this new situation looms over the whole. It looms over the series. I mean, I we can't really speculate. You said you saw the clip, so I'd like you to talk about it in a second. I did yeah. not see it. But it's just, to speak broadly about the situation, it's not so much the loss that bothers me. There are things that really bothered me about the way the team performed tonight because in many ways I thought it was an embarrassing effort. 
but yeah. doesn't impact the way I view the series going forward. Same. But if Booker misses the rest of the series, it impacts the way you view the series going forward. So that's all. Uh, unfortunately, you know, even as I was kind of praying that they could claw their way back in and, and pull out in the fourth quarter, in the back of my head, the, the injury was all I was really thinking about. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people who uh, are watching the Suns now that didn't watch the Suns the way that we and everyone who listened to this podcast did throughout the regular season got a taste of how important Devin Booker is to this team. Uh, and you could just see it. Uh, the amount of attention he draws defensively and the fact that, you know, we talked a lot about the Pelicans having essentially one good perimeter defender. Well, if the Suns only have one great perimeter player, it's not as big of a negative for them, right? The The strength of the Suns team is having two, and you take one out of there, and it becomes really difficult to, to operate in the offense. In the fourth quarter stretch, one thing I thought was interesting was the players that Monty had on the court were Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton. So assuming Devin Booker is out, we don't really know. There's two games between now and the next game, which is kind of nice. There's an, an extra day at the very least for him to recover. I assume that could be the starting lineup that they go with, or at least the lineup that plays the most minutes in the next game. Devin Booker did have a injury in the finals, a hamstring injury felt as actually based on what I've seen pretty similar to this one. What I saw in the clip, Sam, since you mentioned it is on the last Jackson Hayes fast break attempt before Devin Booker went out in the third quarter it was just Devin Booker full court sprinting back, jumping up, and then immediately reaching back to his hamstring. Not a lot you could see because the the actual broadcast immediately cut to Jackson Hayes' reaction where he was talking to Floyd Mayweather. Uh, but we've seen Devin Booker reach back at his hamstring before, right? It's happened in, in the regular season. Usually in the regular season, that's like a, a week to two week injury where he misses a few games. He just reach back, reaches back and grab it. But, you know, a hamstring injury like that, it could vary. The severity of that injury could vary. So right now we are playing in a little bit of the unknowns. But when it happened in the finals, he did play. Probably shouldn't have, right? Probably wouldn't have if it wasn't the NBA finals. Uh, so we'll see how it impacts him going forward. I mean, you know, theoretically, we're all we're speculating right now. But, like, let's say it was going to be a, a an injury where you're supposed to miss a week or two. <sighs> Is this this team isn't really good enough? I mean, this team can beat the New Orleans Pelicans without Devin Booker in a series yeah. theoretically, but it's going to be really tough. You can't take that chance. You cannot take that chance. So you know, if it's something that he can play through, then he'll have to play through. But is it is it would it also impact the way that he plays throughout the rest of the playoffs? If you do advance beyond the first right. round, yes, it will. So this you have to be careful. Yeah, has just become a really really tough situation, man. Really tough. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be careful for as far as the the Suns and the decision they make. They have to be smart with this because, you know, you take it. <laughs> it's funny having this conversation on a Suns podcast, but like you take Devin Booker out of it and you're trying say you have to rank the best offensive players on the court. If you combine both teams, well, two of the three best offensive players would now be Pelicans players. That's all that matters. That's really all it is. I mean, it came down. So uh, to break down, I guess, a little bit more of what happened on the basketball court tonight. The Suns lost this game in the third quarter with terrible transition defense. They played terrible transition defense uh, all night. Even once they got their game back in the fourth quarter, it got down to clutch time. Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum tip your cap because they made really, really tough shots. And that's exactly what you're talking about. 
Now, when you get into the late game execution portion of the series, say the Suns are playing without Devin Booker, you've got one guy who can hit difficult shots and is a triple threat from any spot on the floor, Chris Paul. And they have two of those guys, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. And when you have two teams with an equal number of guys on either side who can fulfill those roles, that's when all of the other stuff, the coaching, the late game execution, the, the that's when that stuff really comes into play and can serve as a tiebreaker. But when it's two of those guys who can hit tough shots versus one guy who can hit tough shots, uh, in my opinion, there's not as much that you can really do to level the playing field. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's not to be disrespectful about what some of the Suns role players can do because... A lot of them certainly played like trash tonight, and they can do much better in the series moving forward. Yeah. But just like you were saying, this this offense doesn't work as designed without both heads of the snake. Yeah, uh, Chris Paul, if he's the only one on offense who can make those types of shots, suddenly you see the Pelicans coming out and hedging and recovering on Chris Paul, a coverage that Willie Green would never play if Devin Booker was also on the floor. That's mm-hmm. the entire reason why in game one, they resorted to stuff like switching instead, and then Chris Paul killed the switch. But the only reason that mismatch exists for Phoenix is because of Devin Booker's on-ball, off-ball gravity. And uh, and yeah, we all know that. So yeah, I don't know how many more, how many different ways I can say this is about to become a, a fucking dogfight depending on yeah what happens in the rest of the series, depending on what happens with Book's health. Yeah, I mean, like, schematically, there's a ton of things the Suns could clean up. It's not like, it's not like it's the type of thing where they're looking at actual game plans and thinking, oh, there's no adjustments to be made here. There's nothing we can do. There's a ton of stuff they could do better. Monty, from the beginning, you could hear him yelling at them to get back in transition. And and truthfully, they just weren't doing that very well. They were not communicating well. And honestly, a lot of it came down to Jay Crowder. Poor Jay Crowder had he one of the had, worst worst games of his life, he had offensively an, and defensively. He had an embarrassing game. I'm a big Jay Crowder fan. I've defended him all season long in the starting lineup. I firmly have believed that he deserves that starting spot over Cam Johnson. I think it's it's worked for the Suns. You don't go against what uh, what works, what's good for chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are so many things on defense that I love to point out about Jay Crowder that I don't think necessarily all Suns fans appreciate. Tonight, he was embarrassing on, on both yeah. ends of the floor. And, you know, I called my shot before the game. I said, there's no way he plays that bad two games in a row. He played worse. He did. <laughs> he played he did worse play than worse. in game one. Even the, the I, shooting was, you know, better, I guess you could say, in that he had five points. Uh, but it was he, a, yeah, he's the main guy that's got to run back in transition in a lot of this these scenarios. Look, also he was over five from deep, so the shooting was really from deep. Better and either. honestly, he made basically one three with his foot on the line that could have been made him one for six. And guess who else was one for six? Cameron Johnson. Yeah, you, you you know if you talk about potentially switching Cameron Johnson out for Jay Crowder, there's a lot better track record for Cameron Johnson shooting shooting better than one for six, but. Not a lot since his injury, so it's it, you still kind of have to see it, I think, for me to feel a little more confident in that. As far as Jay Crowder goes, this is one of the worst shooting stretches of his career. It's like they were cursed right at the end of the season and unable to hit shots at that point. And on the other end of that, the Pelicans, who are the 27th best three-point shooting team in the NBA, shot 54.5% from three in yeah. this game, which in some ways is a hopeful stat for the Suns in that it's hard to believe they can continue to do that. Now, they did make some personnel changes, like playing Trey Murphy the third a little more minutes that allowed them to hit more shots, but it was other guys hitting shots in this game too. Like Herb Jones played 
pretty well, two for three. Jose Brandon Alvarado Ingram went didn't, two for two. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Ingram didn't miss threes. He was three for three. You yeah. know, CJ McCollum was six for ten. They, these guys hit threes at a higher rate than they normally hit threes. Uh, so that, in some ways, like I said, is a hopeful stat. It's really unfortunate to see the potential of Devin Booker not playing as they shift back to New Orleans because Devin Booker, he plays extremely well in New Orleans and has throughout his career since he was 20 years old. And uh, and I will hope that he gets out into that, at least plays one of those two games, but I'm not going to say that I hope he plays this next game unless they are fully confident that he's capable of doing that. I don't think there's any point in risking any further injury. I think the Suns have a chance to steal that third game without Devin Booker, and if he can come back by that fourth game, right, that would be ideal, I'd say, for the Suns at this point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The body language is the thing that scares me, man. You mentioned it earlier, but not that I would expect him to be happy. Obviously, yeah. like even 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 if just was, missing the rest of that game. If it, even off. if he was just missing the rest of that game, I understand that that would piss him off. It, he had such a sensational first half, but yeah, it was terrible. The body language was terrible. Bad yeah. vibes. I don't like Bad it. Vibes. Um, yeah, <laughs> the whole you, bench was was awkward. With <laughs> with point. respect to the Pelican shooting, uh, if you yeah, so if you want us to expand on an optimistic stat out of tonight. If you look at the Suns' opponent game log this season, there were nine games where the Suns' opponent shot over 45% from deep as a team. In those nine games, the Suns went four and five, so actually yeah. below 500. It was one of the only ways to beat the Suns this year naturally. It's the best you, way, yeah. If you just get super 
unconsciously hot from deep and, and they can't stop you. And that's I used 45% as the cutoff there. The Pelicans shot 55% from deep. In fact, not a single team in the entire regular season shot as well against the Suns from deep as the Pelicans did tonight. The team who came yeah. closest was Sacramento in, uh, I guess, actually, was that the last game of the season? Sacramento, mm-hmm. April 10th. Been. Yeah, shot um, 54% uh, just a couple of weeks ago then in a game that the Suns also yeah. lost that one. So and, the Pelicans he, literally shot better than any Suns opponent did for this entire season tonight. There's your one optimistic stat right, for the right. night. There you go. <laughs> and you combine that with the fact that they just gave them a bunch of free buckets and, and fast break opportunities, which they don't need to do. Something that could be a little easier cleaned up, I think, if they just focus a little more on communicating on fast breaks. And the fact that the Suns essentially allowed them to play a significant stretch of this game with Jackson Hayes guarding Chris Paul in a, in, in a way that I think they just weren't prepared for because it's such a weird decision by Willie Green. Um, and it worked because he well, was able to just just confuse them enough to not get good shots and then leak out and transition every time. Right. Because the Suns really thought that that was a matchup that they could exploit. They were specifically trying to pick out Jackson Hayes in those actions so that Chris Paul could target him and played right into Willie Green's hands that way because then, exactly as you said, the Pelicans would get the stop. Hayes is a young guy. He's spry. He's athletic. Yes, he's maybe not necessarily the best in terms of all of the team defensive principles at this stage in his career as a younger player, but he can stay with Chris Paul. You know, he He's not necessarily going to like be on the floor uh, at, at the slightest crossover or something like that. He's not that type of dude. He doesn't have mobility issues like that. Uh, and so then the Pelicans would get the stop after the switch. Jackson Hayes would gun it down the floor. Uh, he could get a seal for an early bucket if it was necessary, but most of the time it wasn't even necessary because they would just find him immediately and he would get an easy dunk. And the Suns played right into that. And that was a good example of Willie Green uh, out coaching Monty Williams tonight. In fact, that mm-hmm. was probably the best example that we got from this one. Yeah, you, I mean, you just can't let a team beat you in the playoffs with fast breaks. That's just not no. something that you that, can allow. It's embarrassing. It, it really it's, is. Yeah, for that's a, a for great a team, way of describing it. For a team that has described itself as, as so... Because you're not going to win the rebounding battle anyway, right? All year long, we've been like, oh, it's not a big deal that the Suns don't get rebounds, be- or offensive rebounds at least, because transition defense is their focus. They, they're doing it specifically because they're getting back on transition defense. They're loading up early. The math evens out. Well, if you're not getting offensive rebounds, and actually the Suns did have eight tonight, so I will point out that yeah. was better. The they rebounding was better. better than in game one, but they still got out-rebounded. So if you're still losing the rebounding battle and you're also hemorrhaging transition points, it's embarrassing. There's there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, defensively they can clean that up, right? Run back and transition. I think the, the game plan... More like I guess it matters if Devin Booker is out or not what they do, but more or less the game plan that they had against Brandon Ingram and CJ made sense outside of how easily they were switching point guards onto Brandon Ingram. I think there were extended stretches of this game where there was just some soft-ass screen and Chris Paul would just immediately switch onto Brandon Ingram and then they were operating from a position of trying to send a double at the right time and then recover to shooters as quickly as possible. To me, just don't just don't switch that. And especially when he's not even in a position to shoot. Half the time he was holding the ball on his side just waiting for the fake screen. You can't switch that. And it's the same thing with Cameron Payne. They were switching Cameron Payne onto him multiple times there. Even if that results in a missed shot, if you're sending a second guy at them and they're hot from three like they were in this game, I think you can count on them. 
getting a wide open shot in those scenarios. I don't think you can switch on that. Um, offensively, Chris Paul went five for 16. And a lot of those shots are shots that Chris Paul can make. And I think that is sort of one of the outlier things that happened in this game. There were some easy shots that he missed in the, in the first half, which you can say, that's fine. He does that sometimes, and then he picks it up in the fourth quarter. Well, there was a massive distraction in the fourth quarter in this game in that Devin Booker was out, and, and everyone knew it. And, uh, and then he just didn't make some shots in that point either. So I Still think at for, um, 14 assists to zero turnovers. Still at 14 assists to zero turnovers, and it even ended with 17 points. Look, 17 points on 16 shots, not great, but not something that should like... Not Donovan Mitchell-esque. You could win that game. <laughs> it's a winnable game still. You know what I mean? If they just played proper defense, you could win a game where, where it takes that many shots by Chris Paul. But I think there's two areas that are obvious that they can clean up that could turn this into a much better series. The question will be uh, Devin Booker. Over, and, you know, I hate to say that over and over and over again, but whether or not he plays. And if he doesn't, I think that makes the game plan for Monty incredibly important and I'll be honest I'm not fully prepared to talk about what that would be because I think it would take me some time to think about how they would attack that as well yeah I have not processed that and I don't really want to at this stage <laughs> I mean what do you McHale, think about DeAndre Ayton tonight uh he was all right 10 what, points four assists nine rebounds he was it kind of had a game where he was there you know, I think they did bad. a really good job. I think they did a really good job of keeping him away from the rim as much as possible. They they were not allowing the lobs. I think there was one lob that he caught cleanly. They were forcing him into that mid range area. Of course, he can still be efficient with those push shots and and some mid range. Um, but without Devin Booker, if it comes down to a game without Devin Booker, he is what the second best offensive player. On the floor, third best? I'm not sure well, what you would say. I would probably, I don't know. I, the way he played tonight, it seems to flip-flop every game, but right. Kale Bridges probably showed more flashes tonight of being that second guy. Yeah. And uh, again, man, I don't want to think about this right now, but yeah, if Booker misses time, then uh, they'll, they'll probably run a lot of their same stuff. But like, you know, if they're running elbow, then they'll run Mikhail Bridges around that screen instead of Devin Booker. Does that work? I don't yeah. know. Well, but. They got Shamit too, who played the emergency minutes in this game. It's actually possible to start with Shamit. Yeah. Shamit's yeah. like the one thing I'll say about Shamit is his defense chasing people around screens has been good throughout the season. If he does end up playing a lot of minutes here, I it's actually, not ideal. I actually, it's uh, I'm going to, this is silly to talk about in a game now where we have to actually scrap to beat the Pelicans in seven, maybe in this series. But I was thinking to myself the other day that in a warrior series, I think Landry Shamit would come in handy, particularly if you're playing a lineup of Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole all at once, and you just need as many guys on the court as possible who are willing to embrace the chaser role. And I, I agree with you. I actually think Landry excels at that. In this series, I was hoping he wouldn't touch the floor. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now here, yeah. here we go. And and if he does start, you know, I don't think he's going to play 30 minutes. I think he'll play 16 and... Uh, and the guy who logs more minutes will be Cam Johnson in more lineups like we saw closing out the fourth quarter tonight. Chris mm -hmm. Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Wings, at which point guys got to hit open shots. And, yeah, it's really all there yeah. is to it. Yeah, it's a tough night where you're thinking, wow, Jay can't hit the broadside of a barn. And then Cameron Johnson checks in and shoots one for six from three. Cameron Johnson can do a lot more. 
outside of that three-point shot offensively when it comes to scoring. So I think he still was like relatively okay, you know, still at 11 points. And obviously there's just more options when he's attacking the closeout uh, than with uh, Jay, including getting to the free throw line, which is something that Cameron Johnson could add if he ends up playing extended minutes as well. Cameron Payne, I think there was a stretch in this game where Cameron, Cameron Payne was a positive in the plus minus, you know, I think there was a, the best stretch of this game was probably the latter half of the first quarter when Cameron Payne checked in for Chris Paul and things just clicked really well. I, that is a good sign. I think Cameron Payne could play more minutes. He's still played a relatively small role in these games. I think he still can't hit the broad side of a barn when it comes to shooting either. These guys just need to make shots, right? I mean, I don't know how else to put that. They're getting threes, and they're just not I mean, making them. They shot 37% as a team, but that was Booker carrying them going 7 of 11. And that yeah. makes two games in a row now where if you take Booker, I don't have the math in front of me. I can't do it this fast. But if you take what Booker has shot in the first two games out of the equation— the rest of the Suns as a team are shooting what, like twenty five percent from deep, maybe. Right. You know, right. you can't win a series like that. You can't. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we can keep this one short, being yes, that we will have the mercy. Most, we will have only mercy. the most hardcore people <laughs> will be listening to this one. But, Do you have anything else you want to add here? Well, you know, I I guess we'll just pray for good news regarding Devin Booker. Everyone, get in your prayer circle. Get your mm-hmm. uh candles out i don't know what you use in a prayer circle candles something yeah. like that sure um, i don't know what do i do i don't know i'm not <laughs> i've never it's not uh, doom and gloom yet i'll say that if yeah, we want to just end on some sort of positive note we'll, we'll pray we'll pray for some good news here and we'll uh maybe get back together in a day or two mike and i at least and uh think up some strategy i guess depending on on what we have at our disposal for friday yeah. um i we haven't decided mike by the way are we doing a patreon episode this week because <laughs> if we are at some point it should probably be for like wednesday or thursday let's decide once we know more about the situation okay. here so maybe um, that'll be a chance to talk strategy hopefully it'll be good news that we're dealing with at that point the Suns have a lot of obvious stuff they can clean up and they can just play a lot better individually and as a team Look, it maybe it will be doom and gloom depending on what we hear about Devin Booker, but right now we don't know. Uh, so as far as we're concerned, we'll be back once we have a better idea of that. We're still doing Game 3 on playback, so that is Friday. If you'd like to join us for that game, you can sign up on our Patreon. If you're a patron, make sure to join us for that one. We will be as positive as you can possibly be. And look, you don't have to listen to uh, the announcers if you don't want to. You can listen to us instead. So we appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll see you then. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, 
no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.